Live by every word. That is the challenge and the opportunity the Bible gives to you. This program examines the actual words that have proceeded out of the mouth of God Himself so we can use them to guide our paths and live by them in our everyday lives. This is Live by Every Word. Thanks for joining me today on Live by Every Word. I'm Dwight Falk. This is Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG, and we're online at kpcg.fm, and we have a live link at thetrumpet.com. All of our broadcasting is also available in the podcast form. You can find that at uh, thetrumpet.com or kpcg.fm or wherever you like to find your podcasts. We're available, and that goes uh, for all of the programming here on KPCG. It's an educational service uh, for you, and uh, I think you'll find it very helpful, uh, all of the programming here on KPCG. I recently saw a comment from someone who said that they had been mistreated in their life, and uh, that unfortunately does happen at times. Uh, They said they had been lied to, um, and because of that experience, they did not want anyone to have control over their lives. They were tired of being mistreated. And so they didn't think that uh, it would be good to ever again allow somebody to have rule over them. Now, there are many people that have had similar experiences and thoughts. Um, we look at the governments of this world. There's a lot of abuse. There's a lot of misuse. And that's true even uh, with some churches and such. There are those situations that occur. Something comes along in life where a person feels that government has harmed them, and so they have a bad attitude or a negative attitude towards government. But the truth is that we all have to be under the rule of government. We all are. Either we submit ourselves to God's government and righteousness, or we will be dominated by Satan's government and sin. So we have to make a choice. What are we going to submit ourselves to? We're going to be under some sort of government, some sort of rule. Will it be God's or will it be the horrible, crushing, domineering ways of Satan? Sometimes people don't really understand the difference between Satan's government and God's government. And they are abused under Satan's rule, and so they falsely conclude that all government is evil. And that's, of course, not the case. God's government is righteous, and it's just, as we'll see. And I want to show today the difference. I want to show the beauty of God's government and what it's based upon. Satan's domination, his intimidation, his slavery is cruel. And people have been afflicted by that. Satan is the god of this world. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4. Satan's governments are evil. They're cruel. They dominate. They intimidate. They enslave. But God's government isn't that way at all. And so do we understand God's government? Do we really understand it? If we do, then we will see how beautiful it is. And we will want to submit ourselves to it. God's not forcing anyone, but when we see his government and we see the way that it works, then we should really want to submit ourselves to it. What is God's government based on? If somebody asked you that, would you, would you have the answer for them? Probably so, hopefully so. All government is based on a foundational law or constitution. There has to be something there. The constitution or basic law of God's government is the law of God. 
And people can also be abused by harsh and harmful rules. And sometimes that happens. So again, it's the same sort of um, thinking where they're under a rule or a system that has harmed them. And they say, well, all, you know, rule is bad. All laws are bad. Well, that's not the case. God's law is beautiful if we understand it. God's government is beautiful if we understand it. And it's something that we want to submit to. And God's law is something we want to follow if we understand it correctly. So let's see if we can understand this a bit better. And we're going to look in the Bible to get our information. Let's look at Romans 13 and verse 10 to start here and try to understand God's government better and have a better perspective of it and see that it's completely different from Satan's harsh and enslaving and domineering rule. Notice Romans 13 and verse 10. And if you have a Bible handy, it'd be great to get it out so we could check these passages together. Romans 13 and verse 10 says, Love works no ill to his neighbor. And therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. If you want to sum up God's government, God's law, really God himself in one word, love would be that word. Love is the fulfilling of the law. God's law can be summed up with the word love. And again, people often have a false concept of love. But God's law is a law of love. It works no ill to neighbors. So if you think of all the ill man works against his fellow man in this world, you know, you think about war, murder, stealing, lying, gossip, the list goes on and on. God's law forbids all of that. It forbids it. There's laws against that. Because again, God's law, God's love works no ill to his neighbor. And so wouldn't you like to be under a government whose foundational law says that no one can do evil unto you? And you can't do evil unto anyone either. Everybody benefits in that. See, God's law works good to all. And therefore, it is true love. It works good towards everybody. Have you ever wondered why God's government operates with his law of love? Why did God decide to do things this way? Well, simply because that is how God and the Word have always lived. It's their life. It's the way they've conducted themselves. And they're expanding that out. They want their family to grow. And they made a set of rules that make sure that love is expressed. And that love is what is acted upon towards all. And of course, we have that in the Ten Commandments. Notice 1 John 4 and verse 16. 1 John 4 and verse 16, it says, And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God, and God in him. God is love. That's what he is. True love, love that works good towards everyone. And those who have repented and are baptized into the one true body of Christ have a portion of God's Holy Spirit in them. And this allows them to think and act with God's love to the degree that they use God's Spirit. And again, they are empowered to keep God's law of love. See, it has to be empowered by God's Spirit. That means they keep striving to work 
no ill to any person, including themselves. A lot of things that people may do in this life or try to obtain in this life for themselves, whether it be a feeling or it be an item or something like that, to them they think that's good because they want it or desire it, but it actually harms them. And so God has a set of laws to forbid harming anyone, including the self. Including the self. Sometimes the things that we may naturally want to do would actually be harmful. And so we've got to make sure that we look at God's law, and God put that law there, a law of love, to say don't, don't do anything <laughs> that would work ill towards your neighbor or towards yourself. Because he wants the best for us. Just like, you know, a parent, if you have a child, you have some rules in place within the house that maybe the child doesn't understand or doesn't quite like because it prevents them from doing something they think would be good. But as a parent, you know, if they do that, they'll be injured or there'll be a problem of some kind. So you have a rule in place. Well, God does that on a perfect level. He does that on a perfect level. He knows the things that would actually harm us And so he says, well, there's a law here. I don't want you harming your neighbor. I don't want you harming yourself. I want good for you. I want good for your neighbor. I want good for everybody. This is God's love. And his government and his law ensure that that happens. So we really have to, again, understand the principle of God's government. The principle of God's law is love. It's love. God's government and law benefits everyone. Everyone is benefited from it. So again, as we think about that more and hopefully understand it more, we should have that desire to want to submit ourselves to it and say, well, I want to follow that government. I want to keep that law because it works good towards everybody and it works good towards me. It benefits everyone. God's government and law benefits everyone. Notice this quote from the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. This is a free course at thetrumpet.com that you can sign up for, and it goes through a number of lessons that explain this topic of God's law and government and, and many other doctrines of the Bible to you. And it really will give you information that is essential, right from your Bible. Notice this quote. It says, God's law can be summed up in the one word, love. And this is because God's very nature is love, and God's law reflects his loving character. And so the government of God is the application of the principle of love. That's God's government. See, any government outside of that is not operating on that application of the principle of love, and that's why people get harmed. That's why people get harmed by those governments. But the government of God is the application of the principle of love. So what does God want his government to do? You know, how should it function? Well, God's love is outflowing towards others. It helps. It serves. God's concerned with the good and the welfare of others. This is, this is God's government. What, is, what does God's government do? What is it concerned with? What is God concerned with? The good and welfare of others. Cooperation and unity. Sharing. Serving each other, helping, giving, and not seeking to get from others. And that's a major problem in this world. People seeking to get from each other, get the best, you know, take advantage. And in so doing, people get hurt. God's government's the opposite. 
it's seeking to give to everybody and to help everybody and not try to you know take some unfair advantage of somebody but to help and to serve and to upbuild and if everyone's doing that well what do you have i mean you have an amazing an amazing society and of course we don't see that within the world at large today but certainly that's growing within god's church within his people the government of god the application of god's law of love there's nothing negative or harmful in god's government Sometimes there might be a correction because somebody's doing something that harms themselves or someone else and that has to be stopped. But that's not harmful. That's actually solving the problem. That's actually taking the harm away. God and the Word, who became Christ, they have always treated each other with this love. They've always loved one another. Notice Matthew 3, verses 16 and 17. When Christ came to this earth, he really did... Uh, explain a lot about God's government and the relationship between him and the Father and revealed the Father and gave us great insight into the way God's government works and magnified the law and really showed us the spiritual application of it. Matthew 3, verses 16 and 17, it says, In Jesus, when he was baptized, he went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So the Father loves his Son. He said it here. You know, it was a voice conveying God's words. A voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. God the Father loves his Son. And how does Christ act toward his Father? Well, notice this in John 8. Verses 28 and 29. Then said Jesus unto them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father has taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. What an attitude. Right? What a loving attitude. What a, what a loving relationship between a father and a son. The father is pleased with his son. He loves his son. He helps his son. And the son always does those things that please the father. And the father doesn't leave the son alone, but is there to help him. This beautiful relationship. See, Christ revealed that. He revealed what their relationship is like when he came to this earth. God the father and the word They lived in harmony from eternity, always working together, always unified, always in agreement. They have always lived in harmony, and they've done so from eternity. And they want to extend their harmonious and their happy way of life to all of mankind. It works so well that they want to expand it. God wants a huge family, but it's going to be a family that's harmonious, that's happy, that's productive, that's unified. You know, there's sometimes there are large groups of people that are in a family, but yet they fight and bicker, and those are terrible situations. Sometimes people grow up in those situations, and so they have a bit of a negative feeling towards family, but that's, that's not the way God intends family. God's family is unified. They're happy. They work together. They're productive. And God is expanding that way of life, and it has to come 
from obedience to his law and following his loving government. You know, that has to be there. Law and government. But it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing because it's all based upon the law of love. Notice John 10 in verse 30, one short uh, passage here where Christ is just explaining very, very uh, briefly and succinctly his relationship with his father. He says, I and my father are one. I and my father are one. There's perfect unity. They're unified. That's the way God wants all people to be, where we are one with God the Father and with Jesus Christ and with one another, unified. We're one. There's love there. There's joy there. There's help there. There's no ill being worked towards anyone there. That's God's law of love, and that's God's government of love. And Christ and the Father exemplify that perfectly. Notice uh, this quote again from the Bible Correspondence Course. It says, the love they have for each other is the attitude motivating everything the God family does. I mean, that's, that's the motivation. That's the attitude. It motivates everything the God family does. It is their way of life. It's just the way they live. They love each other. And they always do good to each other. <laughs> what an what incredible relationship. What an incredible relationship. Unfortunately, the world is full of broken relationships, of uh, oppressive governments, of rules that really do harm in many cases or give one an advantage over another. But that's, that's Satan's rule. <laughs> that's not God's rule. We want to make sure that we understand the difference. See, God's law here in his government is based on love. Notice uh, Matthew 20. Christ explains here very specifically, how God's government works. He explains it. Matthew 20, verses 25 through 28. And he's also here, as we'll read, really putting the difference between Satan's governments and God's government. Verse 25 says, But Jesus called them unto him and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. See, he says, you know this, we know this, and a lot of times it's selfishly motivated. Verse 26 says, but it shall not be so among you. Whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. Now, minister means servant. Let him, let him be your minister. Verse 27, and whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. See, it's a service government. It doesn't mean that there's not authority. That doesn't mean they're disrespected, the leaders within God's government or something like that, but their motivation has to be God's love. And those that they are have responsibility over, they're serving them. They're helping them. Verse 28, even the Son of Man, even Christ himself, came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. I mean, Christ, when he was on this earth, certainly within his, um, his followers and his disciples, they gave him quite a bit of respect. They knew who he was and how important his position is and how powerful he is and how much authority God has given to him. But in this physical flesh, he served. He served to the point where he was a sacrifice. He was killed. See, Christ set us a perfect example of how to operate 
within the family government of God, Christ served others totally. He loved others completely. He perfectly followed God's law of love. He perfectly did that. And he had authority, of course, but he used it to help and to serve others. And if there was some correction, he gave it, but he gave it motivated by the desire to help so that people wouldn't do ill towards others or towards themselves. And we're told to have that same mind of Christ in us. That has to be through the power of God's Spirit, of course. Notice this in Philippians 2 and verse 5. It says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. I mean, he was God. Even though he came to this earth in in the flesh, he was the Word who became Christ. It says, But made himself of no reputation. He humbled himself. It says, and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. So he went all the way from being God to being a man. Talk about, you know, humbling himself. And then he went even further. Verse 8 says, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. So is Christ in authority? Yes, he is. <laughs> He's second right under God the Father. Every, everybody, everybody will worship Christ and God the Father. I mean, that's, it can't get any higher in terms of government position. But it was used, that power was used, that authority was used to serve, and it still is. Verse 10 It says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Everyone's going to bow to Christ. But there is a God being that's being bowed to or will be bowed to and people are are, uh, worshiping him as they should. And he is there to love and to do all things for the benefit of, of others. See, that's a loving government. There's authority there, of course, but that authority, that power is being used to help others. See, it's completely different than Satan's government, where authority and power is used to dominate others and take from others. God's government is the opposite. It is to express love towards others, to work no ill towards anyone. And so hopefully we can begin to see the beauty of God's government, the beauty of God's law, And really want to yield ourselves to it, just like Christ did when he was on this earth. That's all the time we have for today on this edition of Live by Every Word. If you'd like to look into the subject more, we have a free book, The God Family Vision. It's at uh, thetrumpet.com. You can look at that if you'd like to. It's free. And also sign up for the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. And that's also at thetrumpet.com. That's all the time we have for today. I'm Dwight Falk. Thank you for spending some of your time with me. Until next time. Let's all strive to more perfectly live by every word of God. You've been listening to Live by Every Word on Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.